Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are at quality number seven in the list of nine qualities that Paul, by the Spirit of God, tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 we need to incorporate in our lives if we are going to be victorious over the trials and sufferings and sacrifices that we are called upon to make as a child of God, and if we're going to be effective in serving the Lord If we're going to bear spiritual fruit in our labors for Christ, we will need these nine qualities. And so Paul, having first given us a list of nine sufferings, nine difficulties that he faced and that we can expect to face similar things when he told us that in his life he served the Lord in tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults and labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, but how did he do that? How was he strong enough to do that? How was he enabled to do that? What did God give him so that he could do that? Well, he tells us in verses 6 and 7, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, and on the left. Nine qualities that we need in our lives in order to successfully address the nine difficulties that Paul said he had in his life and will have similar ones in ours. And so this list becomes a pretty important list, doesn't it? How are we going to face the trials of life? Whining? Complaining? Doubting? Charging God with, with wrongdoing? Questioning Him? Or are we going to face them with faith, with confidence, with victory, with assurance that everything's all right because God has ordained these things for us and He intends for us to, to experience these things and He will enable us to experience them successfully. That's what we're told in the Bible. And how are we going to do that? By these qualities, by purity, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by, and we come again to the number seven that we started on the broadcast yesterday, by the word of truth. Now, in some ways, that's a bit of a um, redundancy because we've already seen something very similar in number two. By purity, by, what was the second one? Knowledge a comprehensive knowledge of God's Word, for teaching, for counseling, for personal guidance. We need that if we're going to be successful in overcoming obstacles and in serving the Lord 
fruitfully. Now we have this phrase, by the word of truth. But though it's it's similar, there are some certainly some close overlappings here. This gives us a little bit different perspective, a different angle on what it is exactly that we need. In our lives, we need the word of truth. Word, as we learned yesterday, is logos, the most common Greek word for word, a word that in itself is used for Jesus Christ, and that's what we were talking about yesterday, how that John tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. You say, what beginning? The beginning of the beginning. <laughs> Since God is eternal and actually had no beginning, you, you, can't, you can't say exactly when this beginning was, but we can only think in terms of beginnings and continuations and endings. And so in the beginning, wherever, wherever that was, before the creation of the world, clearly, because the verse goes on or the text goes on to say that this one who was with God in the beginning was instrumental in creation. He was there before creation, and he brought into existence the things that exist. So in the beginning, let's just push it back to what we would call eternity past. In the beginning, what we would say was before anything was made that was made, before there was any creation, before there was anything physical, there was only a God, a spirit God of the greatest magnitude in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him, the Logos was not anything made that was made. And dropping down to verse 14, And the Word, Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Clearly it's talking about Jesus Christ, and we are told He is the Word of God, the Logos of God and was with God in the beginning, and he was God. He is God. This causes us, forces us, to think about the doctrine of the Trinity. Or if you prefer to use a different word, some people object. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Okay, let's try this then. The Godhead. That word is in the Bible. The Godhead. And the Bible tells us what the Godhead consists of, which is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, And yet the Bible insists that there's only one God. The Lord our God is one Lord, and yet He exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it is one God, three persons, all equally God, all equally eternal, all existed from the beginning, and yet one of them stepped out of that realm and wrapped himself in human flesh and became a man, he acquired a human nature which he did not have at the place where John begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There, the Word was God only, he was spirit only. He had no body. He had no humanity. But 
for the work of redemption, he was willing to step out of that glorified position, that exalted position, and to robe himself in humanity, to take upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. But we're getting to this word, word. I'm I'm trying to emphasize it in such a way that you'll understand the majesty and the meaning. Because we're talking about the word, logos, of truth. And when the Bible calls Jesus the word of God, in the beginning was the word. That's another way of saying he is the one who communicates God. That's what this word logos means. It is a word, a message, a proclamation, a communication. It is the way that we, human beings, best communicate with one another. It's not the only way we communicate. Deaf people can communicate with sign language, but those signs represent what? Words. They really do. They aren't spoken words, but they are words that communicate. They, they represent words. They communicate through language, through words, just like most people do who speak words and hear words. And so we understand a word is a vehicle of communication. And if Jesus Christ is the Word of God, then one way to understand that is that he is the one who communicates God to us. And isn't that what the Bible teaches? That Jesus came to make the Father known? Jesus came to make God more accessible, more understandable. It's hard to understand a transcendent, invisible spirit, being, who is God. We can understand that to some extent. But to bring that down to a level that we can understand a little bit better, Jesus wrapped himself in human flesh, and there he was, a man who was also God. And by his sinless life, by his amazing grace, by his incredible love, by his amazing sacrifices on behalf of others, by his demonstrating mercy to so many people, by his communication of truth, in all of these ways he showed us what God is like. This is God. If you want to, in fact, when 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 Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, and he talked to them about going back to the Father, and Philip spoke up and said, "Lord, show us the Father, and that will satisfy us." This is John fourteen, and Jesus said, "Philip, have I been so long with you? Three years now of of daily contact, intimate." relationship so that they could see him, hear him, observe him in every way possible. 
Have I been so long with you, Philip, that you have not known me? He who has seen me, Jesus, the man, has seen the Father, the invisible Spirit God. Jesus came to make the Father known, to communicate some things about God that are better understood when we see them communicated in a human being who is a sinless man, a perfect man, who demonstrates these characteristics of God, some of them anyway, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his kindness, his his sacrificial giving of himself to others. When we see these things in Jesus Christ, we are coming to know the Father. He is the Logos. He is the Word that communicates the Father to us. He is the Word of God. And so there is what we sometimes call the living Word, that's Jesus Christ, and there are other times we talk about the written Word, that's the Bible. And though they are two different things, they are so closely related that it's impossible to completely separate them. The Bible is like no other book for several reasons, but one reason is because it is Christ in written form. He is the living Logos. The Bible is the written Logos, and both of them communicate truth without any mixture of error. Both of them communicate God. Through them we get to know God, the Logos. And we are to have the Logos of truth. Join me next week. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.